0: Hey folks, Dr. Kukaro here with another episode of Straight Shot Health Talk. Thanks for joining me today. And today's episode actually was spurred by me finding some old notes. I don't know about you, but I have a tendency to take notes, read things, write down thoughts, write down passages, quotes, etc. And I ended up finding a notebook that I had taken with me when I was flying to an event. I don't even remember what the event was, and I'm not exactly sure when I went to this event. It may have been sometime earlier this year it may have been the year before that but anyway i I somehow was on the plane i started watching some ted talks because you you know a lot of planes now you have those little entertainment systems and i logged in there and lo and behold there were some ted talks i figured all these should be some interesting ones and they were in fact there were at least two of them that i was watching that i took notes on both one of which uh i don't believe i've talked about previously but has had a significant impact on a lot of the presentations i've done live locally anyway um as well as really provide some insights on problems with the pain system. I will go into pain system as basically the healthcare system's approach towards treating pain, um, and then we're going to talk about that in, in another episode here. But this one was short, and it was by Dr. Barry Schwartz, who's a social psychologist, if I'm remembering that correctly. And it was a very short TED Talk, about eight minutes long, about work and what we think and believe to be true about work. Now, I have that TED Talk. I'm going to have it linked at the Facebook page for Straight Shot Health. That would be if you go to Facebook and search at, like the little at, Straight Shot Health. Uh, you'll find the uh, page there, and it shall be available at Straight Shot Health Talk if you, or Straight Shot Health at Facebook if you want to pull up that, that uh, TED Talk. Or if you just probably Google TED plus Barry Schwartz, um, you'll probably find it there as well. Anyway, the, the quick summary of that particular TED Talk was, he was really just approaching how we think about job creation and work, and that this fundamental way that we think about jo- our jobs, as well as how we work or if we're employing people, is flawed. And and these beliefs behind it, these flawed ideas, have very important implications to both how you live and how you work. Very important implications. So again, if you have no interest in pain, um, I would highly recommend j- do it for for just for the, that purpose at all. It will just kind of transform how you how you really think about the the whole idea of work. Um, But it is highly relevant to how we think about pain as well. And specifically, this was about the three-minute mark, three-minute, 50-second mark. He said, and I'm quoting here, and there's something special about idea technology that makes it different from the technology of things. With things, if the technology sucks, it just vanishes, right? Bad technology disappears. With ideas, false ideas about human beings will not go away if people believe that they're true because if people believe that they're true, they create ways of living and in institutions that are consistent with these very false ideas, end quote. Now, that part right there, right there, that, that passage stuck with me when I watched it because I was like, this is absolutely true when it comes to pain and how we think about pain and how we think about pain treatments. And typically, I'll I'll kind of dance around the subject, but I'm just going to, I want to just say that second half of that paragraph again, the second half of what what, uh, Dr. Schwartz said, quote, with ideas, false ideas about human beings will not go away. And I'm going to emphasize here if people believe they're true, because if people believe that they're true, they create ways of living and institutions that are consistent with these very false ideas end quote. And I'm going to add to that, those institutions and ways of living will continue, and, can, and they will continue even in the face of, of evidence, scientific evidence that proves that they're not true anymore, these belief systems that we have. And particularly, if you have anything to do with pain, if you listen to Straight Shot Health Talk at all, and you understand anything about pain, then you already know, that what you believe to be true about pain is fundamental both to how you understand it, but also how you talk about it and you treat pain. And that is whether it's your pain or somebody else's pain. And right now, the vast majority of the ways that we talk about pain and treat pain is built upon false ideas. Now, I've talked about this before, and I know sometimes this can be very difficult to swallow. And it's okay if you don't believe me. That is perfectly fine. In fact, I don't mind when people don't believe me. As long as you're, if you're not going to believe me, you're willing to question not only me, but whatever else you believe in or have been told to believe about pain. In fact, again, don't believe me. Just don't just say, oh, Dr. Kikaro says it, so it must be true. Say, is it true? Put a question mark on there. But I also want you to put a question mark on anything that's related to pain, anything that you've been told in the past by anyone challenge those beliefs, particularly if whatever you're doing isn't working well for you. How do you know it's not working for you? If you're still taking a bunch of drugs, if you're still getting a bunch of injections, if you've had surgeries before and you still have pain, or you've tried hundreds of different things, different therapists and manipulations and this and that and whatever, and you're still hurting and it doesn't seem to be getting better or worse, it's getting worse, then start questioning those underlying assumptions about what pain is and how those treatments work. Now, if you're willing to question, I would continue listening to this episode. If you are not, stop, okay? And just be satisfied of wherever you are. If you believe you understand your pain perfectly and somehow you just haven't found the quote unquote right treatment, then this this episode is not going to help you anymore. Just continue going off and doing whatever you're doing Um, because there's nothing I can say that's going to change that for you. However, you also need to be satisfied with where, where you are because if you keep trying the same things or different variants of the same things over and over and over again and yet the result is the same, there's, you've got to question two things. Number one, is what you believe is being treated actually being treated? Do the treatments work how you think that they work for what's being treated? or something else, because there's a, there's something fundamentally wrong with it. If you actually understand what you're treating and you do the appropriate treatment, either it's going to get better or there's a flaw in that model there, either you got the wrong treatment or you have the wrong model. And if you keep trying similar treatments, done to you treatments, cutting, poking, drugging, or having someone do something to you, and you still have the same poor results from it, then maybe it's time to stop thinking about what other people can do for you. And let's go back to what the problem is, okay. Now, what this really gets at, though, this idea of of being willing to change, particularly if things aren't working, it's because if you aren't willing to actually start questioning things, then nothing is going to change. Okay, you know, it's not going to change. It's just not likely to do it. And in the pain world, we have developed ways of living in institutions that are consistent with these very false beliefs. Uh, I either, by the time this episode comes up, I will have published. Or I will be publishing an episode on who is known as the father of the modern-day pain clinic. Uh, and really the untold story behind that and, and why uh, this guy is who has oftentimes applauded and has textbooks named after him. Uh, really created this, the, it, this. His whole fundamental treatment model is based on false ideas that are not consistent with the science of pain. But we continue to do these things. You know, we spend billions and billions of dollars on these treatments that don't work, and nothing's going to change until we start questioning, at least in a deep and meaningful way. Now, if you want a question though, and you want to continue, here we're gonna start with one question. The question is this is pain a thing or is it something else? And what made me to this is do you believe that pain is a thing or is it an action? Or is it an experience? And it can't be all three. It's one of these. Now, what's the difference between all this stuff? Well, basically, things are physically present. Rocks, cars, apples are all types of things. And bones, nerves, and intestines are all types of bodily things. And what these are is they exist in and of themselves, and they require no other inputs for them to be real. Basically, a rock is a rock is a rock, like a bone is a bone is a bone. We can cut it out, poke it, stick it somewhere, and someone else can look at it and say, that's a rock as well. Now, we can get more granular uh, in describing these things, such as we can call the rock granite or sandstone or agate or something else. But on a fundamental level, if you see it, it's a rock. Now, actions, as compared to things like rocks, are different. They're more like the typical verbs. Actions are actions. Jumping, climbing, and throwing are all examples of actions. Now, other ones include digesting, pumping, uh, nerve transmission: When you're sending an impulse, an electrical impulse down nerves, that is an action. And you kind of think about actions as having this linear or sequential flow, meaning that they're going from point A to point B. They typically have a beginning, a midpoint, and an endpoint along which this action is directed. Like if I stimulate a nerve, the nerve, uh, if that, that, that if that stimulation is enough to cause that nerve to fire, then that electrical impulse will transmit down that nerve to the end of that nerve, at which point it may or may not stimulate the next nerve in that pathway, okay? But that is, it's a flow from one point to another, and it's an action, and we can see that, we can measure it. Now, another example that isn't related to nerves or the body would be something like archery, and archery, specifically the process of shooting an, an arrow, okay? Very similar, actually, to nerve transmission, but we can break down the archery into different segments, Okay. One, you knock the arrow. You've drawn the arrow. You put it, put the knock against the, the string. I draw the arrow with the bow. I'm pulling back or pressing forward with the bow so that there is tension now being developed. Once that tension is there, I release the arrow. Arrow subsequently flies through the arrow, air. And finally, at the end point, the arrow strikes the target. Or if it's me using the bow, it probably will miss it and end up into the bushes. Okay, but that sequential process, that beginning, midpoint, and end is the action of archery. Now, overall, actions are temporary, although the time frame can be short too long. Like you can quickly shoot a bow, or you can take more time through that entire process to shoot that arrow. But it's a temporary time frame. Similar with a nerve, a nerve will fire its trans fire information, and it typically resets and fires again, or doesn't fire. But these are very temporary intervals. All right. So, what about um, experiences, though? What are they, and how, how are they different from actions or things? Well. An experience is kind of like a thing verb, okay? Basically, they're more substantial than an action, which are fleeting. Again, they're just like a brief transmission over a specific time, but they're not physical like a thing. They're not a rock. And what really experiences are is they describe a moment in time, although these moments can be either milliseconds or decades, okay? You can have very long experiences and you can have short experiences, but experiences unlike things which are which like a rock which are just in and of themselves just there or an action which typically is describing an input you know this flow of something this process down a line from a beginning a midpoint and to an end an experience is constructed from many different inputs okay and you can have some of those inputs can be things can be involved in the creation of the experience and some actions So you can have an experience of shooting an arrow. Like if you were an archer, the experience of performing archery is very different than the action of archery itself, right? But in that, in that construction of the experience of archery, you have a thing, the bow, the arrow, the arrow, the the string on the bow, and you have the action, which is the actual act of drawing and shooting that arrow. All of those come together to create the experience of archery, okay? Now, they... Those inputs can be now, like as in this moment, but they can also include other experiences in constructing this new experience as well. And what are these other experiences? Well, you have memories, which are essentially past experiences. And we have expectations, which are predictions of what the future experience is going to be. And all of that stuff, the inputs, the current, the current action, past, act, past experiences, like memory, the future experiences, like expectations, all come together to create the experience that we are living now, in the present tense. Now it's important to emphasize, though, that each and every experience that we have is a construction of many inputs. Just like that action, of, that, that experience of archery, which includes the action of shooting an arrow, as well as the things of an arrow and the thing of a bow, there are memories of past experiences shooting an arrow that are going to that are going to impact what you're, what you're feeling like today. If like you had a really bad session of archery previously, that's probably going to have some impact on what your your, your current um, experience of archery is today. And if you have basic, maybe learned some new things and you're more confident and you have expectations that, that things should go better, that's going to change your experience of what you're doing at this moment in time. But and there's many, many other endpoints though that influence that creation of the experience where you are now, who you are with, etc. So, while there are some major contributors, there are almost an infinite number of other contributors that are there. And because of this, each and every one of our experiences are unique. And they're unique to us. That is, if I have an experience, it is not and never will be the same as your experience. Even if we are in the exact same place, at the exact same time, with all the exact same things and actions present so if we are both going to some archery range and we're going to shoot arrows and we're going to have this experience of archery we can be in the same place at the same time using basically the same bow and the same arrows and yet our experience of archery can be completely different between the two of this okay other examples if we both enjoy a particular type of music and we're at the same concert, we may have similar experiences, but they won't be identical, but they could both be pleasurable. But they can we also be completely different even if we both enjoy that particular band or at that exact same concert, right? We may say, you know, normally we love this band and we love this particular venue and it's on this particular day, but we may have com- completely different experiences from that situation. Now, why is that? It's because we have a host of other inputs into each of these experiences that may or may not have anything to do with those primary contributors. Right? They have, may have nothing to do with the band or they have, may have nothing to do with the concert venue. Things like who we're at the concert with. Like If we go to the concert and you, I, I'm with people that I enjoy and you're with people that you hate, we're going to have very different experiences. What else is occurring at that particular moment in time in our lives? If we go to that concert, which we've been planning for, but you find something, get horrible information earlier in that day, that's going to impact that experience for you at that time. You know, um, why we're there even. Whether we wanted to go, maybe we really didn't want to go, even though we like the the, the band and and the, it's a comfortable venue. But we really don't want to go that day. We had something else we would rather be, but we felt we had to be there. That's going to impact the experience. People that we meet there. I'm sure all of us have had an experience where you you're going to a, a, a situation and everything's going well, and then there's some jerk off there who uh, impacts the situation and as and and overall. Causes a uh, or creates a negative experience, or we created a negative experience. It has nothing to do with the concert. It has nothing to do with the venue. It has to do with the people that were that we met there, or maybe we talked to people who had gone to the same concert the night before. What they have told us is going to impact our current experience, or what we're expecting from that conference, or perhaps we saw that same band at a different venue. So we have a previous experience that's going to impact what our experience is today. The long and short of that, all of these different and very unique inputs influence the experience that is created, some more than others, and some which are more important at specific moments in time than others. But all of these inputs influence the experience. However, and this is extraordinarily important, extraordinarily important, both experiences are real. My experience is real and your experience is real, even though they can be completely different. And these experiences are as real as anything and they're as real as any action. In fact, I'd suggest that experiences overall, the experience that we have day to day, past and present, are more important and more real than anything else in our day to day lives. Anything else in our day to day lives. Because experiences are what we live and ultimately our experience create how we live. While things, rocks, bows, whatever, and actions—the act, the act of doing it—more often than not are just the stage props involved in creating and constructing those experiences. So, while things can influence actions, the bow can influence the archer, the action of archery, and actions can influence experiences. If we shoot the arrow well and we and we hit a bullseye, that can influence our experiences. They are not the same thing, not the same thing. Now, what does this have to do with pain? Well, let's go back to the question that we started this discussion with here. And that question was, do you believe thing is, pain is a thing, that pain is an action, or that pain is an experience? Because if we believe pain is a thing, we can actually test to see if this is true. Because things are always fundamentally there, whether we are actively observing it or not. Again, a rock is a rock, whether or not I can see it, touch it, hear it, feel it, etc. So can we cut your pain out and put it in a box where anyone else can see, touch, feel, or taste that pain now that we have taken it, cut it out of you? If not, If it doesn't exist now, is it really a thing? Can we view it as a thing? No, we can't because it doesn't exist outside of you. Well, how about if we believe that pain is an action, okay? If if pain is a flow, it flows from one place to another. Does it do that? Does it flow or ooze from something to somewhere else? Or do we even consistently see that same flow taking place even when the participants may change? I, that is, if we change the flow, we can change, if we change archers, but we keep the bow and the arrow there and the target there, the action of archery remains. Someone else can step in that place, take that bow, shoot the arrow, and the action of archery remains. But in the pain world, what this is kind of getting at is the difference between no susception and pain. I know I've done a previous episode on this. And the, the mistaken belief that nociception is the same thing as pain or that they are, are a, a correlation between nociception and pain, and they are not the same thing. Because if they were the same thing, then they should behave the same way, do the same thing, and be present at the same time and with the same amount of intensity. That is, if nociception and pain are the same, then when we stimulate nerves and cause nociception, which is a specific type of sensory transmission coming from the body up to the brain, involving both spinal cord as well as brain-related processes. If we have nociception present, which we can measure, then pain should be present as well. And that proportion that we are experiencing pain should be equal to the amount of nociception present and vice versa. As nociception goes down, particularly in the peripheral level, as nociceptive information, those nociceptive nerves stop firing or nociceptive receptors are not activated, then pain should also diminish as well in a direct correlation with that. But they don't. They don't. We have repeated, repeated examples of where you have large degrees of nociceptive information and you can have minimal or no pain and typical talks when I'm doing this live I'll describe when you have had someone who's in a, in a, in a highly traumatic or war related situation how come people can get shot or have a limb blown off their body which has a significant degree of nociceptive information coming up from the periphery to the brain and yet not have pain on the same token how can people have minimal peripheral nociceptive information coming to the brain and yet have profound real pain all pain is real again all pain is real they have minimal nociceptive information but they have significant and horrible pain why is that and the reason is is, is, is you just it, it's it's not the same thing nociception is not the same thing okay, which really challenges this idea about pain pathways, pain flow, pain receptors, which imply that pain flows like pus or oozes from one thing to another, although most of the techniques that we do, most, most traditional medical therapies are designed to interrupt the flow of this expected pain pus information. Now, what happens though when we believe, when we truly understand and believe that pain is an experience? What does this mean? What does that change? Well, it means we recognize that pain is constructed, constructed from many inputs that include both things and actions, but other experiences as well. Again, the experience of archery involves both the bow and the arrow, but also the action of shooting that arrow and the previous experiences that we have shooting arrows, all of those are involved in creating that overall experiences. And in pain, it's the same thing. We can have things like a broken bone, we can have actions like nociception coming from that that broken bone, but we have other things that heavily influence that experience that is created or constructed from it. Like memories, past experiences, past other experiences, if we have broken a bone in the past, that is going to influence our pain in this moment. Our expectations, if we're like, oh my God, I have broke my leg and it's going to be the worst thing, I'm not going to be able to do what I need to do in the future, or now I can't, I was per- going to be a, a professional basketball player and now I broke my leg and I can see this horrible broken leg and I'm never going to be able to play basketball again, those future expectations are going to impact how our pain is constructed. But overall, we become conscious of how different inputs, including those that are not things, not bones, not muscles, not ligaments, not even nerves in the in the in 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 the path in the body itself like the the you know sensory information coming from the body things that don't have to do with those how these heavily influence how we construct pain but fundamentally we also recognize and appreciate that all pain all pain is constructed from many inputs many inputs not just one any experience that we have there is not just one input in creating it there are many Yes, there can be a primary contributor, but there are many other inputs that are involved in constructing that experiences. And because of this, every pain that we experience is unique. My pain is not and never will be the same as your pain, even if we're in the exact same place at the exact same time with all the exact same things and actions present. Now, they could be similar if we have similar backgrounds and life experiences. Given the same thing or action, or they can be completely different, even if we have similar backgrounds, and now we have the same things and actions present, the same broken leg for both of us. We both broke our, our tibia. Okay? However, and this is extremely important both pains are real. They're just as real as anything, they're just as real as any action. I mean, they're just as real as any broken bone, and they're both both just as real as any sort of sensory information coming up from the body or to the brain. In fact, I'd suggest that understanding that pain is an experience is more important and more real than anything else in our day-to-day lives. Why? Because when we understand pain isn't a thing, like a broken bone, or an action, nerve transmission from that broken bone, when we understand this, then when we do things that are treatments versus things like plating a bone or cutting a bone out or fusing a bone, but they don't help because there's just that one input alone isn't a major contributor, then we stop doing them. And when the side effects of action treatments, which are many drugs are designed to stop the flow of sensory information, not pain, sensory information. But when the side effects of these treatments become too dangerous or they're too uncomfortable or they simply don't work, then we can stop them too. But we also understand that not doing these therapies means that we don't believe our pain is real. And it certainly doesn't mean that we have to live with this pain forever. It just, and it doesn't mean that we can't change our pain. Instead, we just need to start figuring out what are the other inputs that contribute to how our pain is constructed and how those inputs contribute in to that construction and how much they contribute to it. And then we can start working on what we can do to change those inputs, which we can. The one wonderful thing about experiences, which are extraordinarily, as real as anything, more real than anything in this world, what you are experiencing is that you're living and it constructs how you live your life is, are these experiences. But once we know we can change them, it per, should provide help because we're no longer stuck in this idea that there's nothing that we can do. And it opens up avenues that we may not have pursued previously. Or we can start pursuing similar avenues, but change how we expect those to work or understand how they work. And that will change how those inputs are now involved. Now, oddly enough, many times these important inputs are staring us in the face. And the reason I kind of did a laugh there is we did a live presentation last week. We had an audience member who participated who had some uh, significant persistent pain. And through the course of the discussion, uh, one of the major inputs was revealed. It was like literally staring. I mean, the fact the words used from the beginning of the discussion to a moment in time when we had this breakthrough were identical and so the, oftentimes these are staring at us in the face, but we don't see them or we don't act on them because of the false ideas we believe to be true about pain. When, if we believe that pain is a thing, we don't understand nor we give credence to or we give or we validate how much other actions and other experiences and all these other inputs can influence our pain. We start looking as only it's only a thing, or it only oozes like pus. It only comes from. Uh, someone told me it just oozes out of my all the nerves of my body. We we stop looking. We start stop understanding how these under, other contributors work, or appreciate them, or we pay lip service to them. Oh yeah, I'm stressed out, and yeah, my pain gets worse when I'm stressed. But we don't understand how that actually works. Nor we even or, or we 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 recognize the ways that we can approach this in 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 ways that we can. Like, you know, often times stress management, this always cracks me up in many quote unquote pain programs, some of them nationally known and produced by, by academic institutions (laughs) with big fancy names, they make it out as pain is this thing. And then stress management is a tool that we can sort of uh, modulate that thing, but that we can't really change the thing. Now, my, I, I, that's not true. If you understand stress techniques and we understand how stress works, and we understand the stress-play interplay, then it frames how we use those same techniques. Instead of using them to, quote-unquote, manage our pain, we can use them in ways to modulate and master our pain and significantly improve our overall pain, not just live with it. Okay. But if we don't understand this, if we believe this idea that pain is a thing or even that pain is an action that flows like pus out of stuff and oozes, if we continue to do that, and because of these false ideas, then we we... We create ways of living, and institutions, i.e. the modern-day pain clinic they're consistent with these very false ideas. And guess what? Nothing ever changes. OK, folks, I know this is a, um, can be very challenging. To kind of conceptualize, I have people I've worked with on this, and it can take some time to really understand what that means when pain is an experience. But when you get it, when you stop seeing pain as an input, and instead you see it as the experience that is constructed from many inputs, it changes lives, not just your lives if you have pain. But if you work with people with pain and and you get it, it is literally, it, it will fundamentally change how you practice, fundamentally changes the way that you view pain, it changes the questions you start asking, asking it changes the interplay that you have, it stops, uh, If I mean, it, it just changes your complete relationship with it. If you're a provider, it changes the way, your, your own expectations of treatment. You know, part of the problem we have with our healthcare systems, we have people burn out all the time because they think that what they do is ineffective now what they do may be ineffective but it's not just the way that you're doing it it's the framing and it has to do with the, in, the interplay that you have the relationship with you have with your patient right and you stop doing this this idea you start acting this way that that you're the mighty doctor and you cure everything and you start working more in this this role where you're the coach you facilitate change you don't fix things anymore all right and i know that last part may be a little bit hard uh, and we will try to get that in the future. But I just want you to, to kind of think about this again. What does it mean? If you think pain is a thing, like a rock, or if you think pain is an action, like just nerve transmission, versus understanding pain as an experience of many inputs, it is a constructive process. Again, you may have one huge input that is a major contributor. You may have a lots of other, but all there's all these other inputs involved in that that, that constructive process. Once we understand that, it changes things. Uh, And if you really want to start off at the basis here, uh, go to at Straight Shot Health on Facebook and you can find that TED Talk, which has nothing to do with pain, yet everything to do about pain. And uh, where Dr. Barry Schwartz talks about how we think about job creation and work being flawed. All right, folks, this is Dr. Kukaro signing off. Until next time, stay well. Thanks.